You are listening to episode 12 of Stoicism on Fire. Hello, everyone. This is Chris Fisher, welcoming you to the Stoicism on Fire podcast, where the ancient practice of Stoic philosophy as a way of life and rational form of spirituality is still alive. Does the cosmos have a purpose that gives human life inherent meaning, or do we live in an accidental universe that lacks any inherent purpose and thereby makes our lives as potentially futile as that of the mythological Sisyphus, who is compelled for eternity to roll a boulder to the top of a hill, only to have it roll down again? This question has puzzled and haunted the minds of numerous thinkers over many millennia. However, to seriously entertain the possibility that the cosmos has an inherent purpose, one must step outside the spirit of our time, which operates on the largely unspoken and certainly unprovable assumption that the universe is accidental and purposeless, and the only meaning in human life is that which we create for ourselves. Stoicism stands staunchly opposed to that assumption. The Stoic worldview, in fact, is so different from that of our secular age that most people who are even interested in Stoicism today ignore the concept of a providential cosmos and question or deny any difference it can make in the life of a practitioner. That is truly unfortunate. Originally, I intended this episode of Stoicism on Fire to move on to the spiritual exercise known as the discipline of action, which falls in the field of ethics. However, I thought better of it, and I think that more attention needs to be given to this concept of the distinction that was covered in the last episode. In episode 11, I offered the following meme, bear and forbear only gets us halfway there, My goal in offering that meme was to highlight the vast gulf between the common character of a Stoic who bears and forbears all of the events in life with equanimity from what we see actually in the Stoic texts. The accurate portrait of a Stoic presents a person who loves the events of nature and expresses gratitude for them. All of them. The Stoics were renowned for their resilience to events in life. They considered it irrational to want things to happen differently than they do. However, Stoic practice did not stop there. If it did, the character of the Stoic as an emotionless and detached person would be justified. Yet, as Epictetus says in Discourses 3.2.6, I shouldn't be unfeeling like a statue, but should preserve my natural and acquired relationships as one who honors the gods as a son as a brother, as a father, as a citizen, end quote. Throughout the writings of Seneca, the discourses of Epictetus, and the meditations of Marcus Aurelius, we see more than a grin and bear it acceptance of events. The whole point of Stoicism is not just to tolerate events that occur, although that, in some cases, is a significant step in the right direction. The ultimate goal of Stoic practice is more than bear and forbear. Again, as I said in the last episode, bear and forbear only gets us halfway there. The proper Stoic attitude is to love all events that occur as if we wished them ourselves. In his lecture on contentment, which is Discourses 1.12, Epictetus opens, One who is still being educated should approach his education with this aim in view. How may I follow the gods in everything? And how can I act in a way that is acceptable 
to the divine administration? And how may I become free? For someone is free if all that happens to him comes about in accordance with his choice, and no one else is able to impede him. Discourses 112, 8 through 9. Here's a key point that is too frequently overlooked in Stoicism. Freedom does not come from making ourselves psychologically immune from external things and events. Neither does it come from being the master of our fate and overcoming all the obstacles placed between us and our goals. True freedom only occurs when everything happens in accordance with our choice. Only then are we unimpeded. Now, that state of freedom can only occur when our choices are in accordance with what actually happens rather than what we wish. Epictetus makes it quite clear that our human freedom rests on our understanding of what is and is not up to us and our practice of the discipline of desire. If we desire and fear those things and events in life beyond our complete control, we will end up just where Epictetus warns. We will have reason to lament, we will have troubled minds, and we will find fault with gods and human beings. Epictetus opens another passage on freedom by asking, Is it then only in this most grave and important matter, that of freedom, that it is possible for me to desire according to my whim? Discourses 1, 12, 15. This response is pretty clear. In no way, but rather true education consists precisely in this, in learning to wish that everything should come about just as it does. And how do things come about? As the one who ordains them has ordained. In other words, Stoic education and training, which leads to true freedom, teaches us to accept all things and events as if they come from a providentially ordered cosmos. But how? How can a person go beyond bear and forbear for seemingly tragic events like the death of a loved one or stage four cancer diagnosis? In truth, bear and forbear may be the best that we can do for many events in life. We are not sages. Nevertheless, it is important to understand that Stoicism does provide a path beyond bear and forbear that teaches us to praise providence for everything that happens in life. Yes, I said everything. And here's what Epictetus has to say about it. From everything that happens in the universe, it is easy to praise providence if one has within him two things, the faculty of taking a comprehensive view of things that happen to each person and a sense of gratitude. For otherwise, one will either fail to recognize the usefulness of what has come about, or else will fail to be truly grateful if one does in fact recognize it. Discourses 1.6, 1-2. Consider for a moment what Epictetus did not say there. He did not say, from everything that happens in the universe, it is easy to tolerate misfortune if one has within him two things. Likewise, he did not say, from everything that happens in the universe, it is easy to bear and forbear if one has within him two things. What he did say was, from everything that happens in the universe, it is easy to praise providence if one has within him two things. That is the whole point of this episode, to make certain our sights are set on the correct target of Stoic practice. Our goal is not a grim acceptance of events. Our goal is much greater 
than bear and forbear, even if that is all we can achieve on occasion. Our ultimate goal is loving agreement with the events in nature. Our goal is to learn to love those events and to agree with them, even while those around us are distraught, anguished, angered, and destroyed by them. As A.A. A. Long, a respected scholar of Stoicism, points out, resignation to the deterministic events of a mechanical universe doesn't get us to what he calls the rationality and dignity that the Stoics claim were part of our human potential. He writes, quote, The deterministic thesis explains why Stoics find it irrational and pointless to wish that things might be otherwise than what they actually experience. But if that were all, Stoicism would be largely an attitude of mere realism, fatalism, or resignation. The crucial step is the combination of determinism with providence. If the situations in which we find ourselves are providentially determined, and if further we are equipped with minds that can understand this dual aspect of things, then we have reason not only to accept everything that happens as inevitable, but also to regard whatever impinges on our individual selves as the allotment that is right for us and as the requisite opportunity for us to discover and play our human part in the cosmic plan. Hence, committed Stoics will interpret circumstances that are conventionally regarded as misfortunes as challenges to be accepted and even welcomed because they give them the means of proving and showing their rationality and dignity as full-fledged human beings, end quote. In this quote, A.A. Long is emphasizing a point he repeatedly makes in his scholarship. Providence is an essential part of Stoic theory and practice. In fact, he argues it is acceptance of providence that allows us the means of proving and showing our rationality and dignity as fully-fledged human beings. That's a pretty powerful assertion coming from one of the most prominent, if not the most prominent scholar of Stoicism in the last century. The goal of Stoic practice is not to train us to grin and bear or to bear and forbear the events of life. Instead, the goal is to learn to love them. Okay, you ask, but how do we get there? Well, fortunately, Epictetus provided us with that answer. He tells us that we must have two things within ourselves to arrive at that place where we can find loving acceptance for all of the events that occur in nature. First, we must develop the ability to take a comprehensive view of events. Second, we must possess an attitude of gratitude. So first, let's talk about that comprehensive view of things. The cosmic viewpoint allows us to escape our human-centered view of things and the judgments associated with that limited viewpoint. Once we understand the nature of the cosmos and our place in it, we can begin to see that external events cannot affect our moral character in either a good or a bad way because they're beyond our control. The only things that can affect our character and then our human well-being are those we can control. And our judgment of impressions and our desires and our intentions are the only thing that we can control. Epictetus makes this point succinctly. It isn't the things themselves that disturb people but the judgments that they form about them in Chiridion 4. Pierre Haydot considers the cosmic viewpoint the beginning of Stoic practice. He writes, Putting theory into practice begins with an exercise that consists in recognizing oneself as a part of the whole, elevating oneself to cosmic consciousness, or immersing oneself 
within the totality of the cosmos. While meditating on Stoic physics, we are able to see all things within the perspective of universal reason. To achieve this, we must practice an imaginative exercise which consists in seeing all human things from above. End quote. As practicing Stoics, we can use the cosmic viewpoint to transcend the false expectations that cause us a troubled mind. Have you ever judged an event or a person as being, quote, good or, quote, bad, only to change your mind later when you had a more comprehensive view of that person or the events surrounding the cause for your judgment? Of course you have. We all have. Almost all of our judgments are based upon limited knowledge, and we must make those judgments about externals. Our human survival instinct directs us away from perceived dangers and toward things that promote our survival. That is natural, and Stoicism does not teach us to do otherwise. Instead, Stoic practice teaches us to value things appropriately. Virtue is the only good. Everything else, including our human survival, belongs in an entirely different category, which cannot be considered equivalent to virtue. To take a comprehensive view of things, we must trust that the cosmos is providentially ordered and has a purpose of its own, to which we are wise to align our own will. Some will object. Those are just assumptions, speculations. There is no proof the cosmos has a purpose. Well, actually, they're correct. However, what is frequently overlooked with such objections is that the alternative viewpoint is also based on assumptions and speculation. There is no proof that the cosmos is purposeless and meaningless. There's no more evidence for that than the assumption that it does have some purpose. We can argue that we may not be able to fully understand and appreciate that purpose, but either way, you're making an assumption. That's the power of human rationality. We get to look at the evidence and decide which of these assumptions actually promotes human excellence and well-being. Are we better off living as if the cosmos has a purpose and provides our life with some inherent meaning? Or does a purposeless universe and human life that lacks any inherent meaning offer a better alternative. The choice is ours, either Providence or Adams. After we attain a new perspective from the cosmic viewpoint and thereby relinquish our anthropocentric judgments of events, we can begin to practice an attitude of gratitude for everything that happens in our lives. In Discourses 1.6.1, we saw that Epictetus teaches us that we need to develop a sense of gratitude. Stoics do not attempt to put a positive spin on events. Instead, Stoics seek to understand the nature of reality and human existence. The cosmic perspective helps us deal with life's vicissitudes. How? By teaching us to limit our concerns to what is up to us, our judgments of events, and to love what we cannot control. An attitude of gratitude distinguishes a love of fate, amor fati, from mere resignation and fatalism. We saw that, that long quote from scholar A.A. Long. But how does a Stoic avoid resignation and learn to love fate? By choosing to see challenging events as opportunities for growth in virtue, growth in human excellence and character. Trials either make us bitter or they make us better. The choice between those alternatives is ours. Consider this. What would Stoics do? What would we as practitioners do without those annoying people on Facebook? without that inconsiderate driver who cuts us off in traffic, without the thoughtless actions of our loved ones, the unreasonable demands of a boss, 
or the customer that does not appreciate us, the pains in our bodies, the occasional tragedies visited upon us. How would we grow in virtue without these indifference to shape us? How would we test or measure our growth without them? Finally, how much would we value human excellence and well-being if it came easy, without much effort at all? If, as Stoics, we accept that seemingly unpleasant events are going to happen and that they are beyond our control, then what would it look like to take our practice to the next level? Well, what it would look like is adopting an attitude of gratitude toward those indifference that are outside our control that we otherwise might look at as bad things. Imagine the psychological equanimity that would spring from such an attitude. Well, we don't have to imagine much because Marcus provides it for us clearly in his meditations. In a quote that I, I've quoted several times, and you might be sick of it by now, but it's one of my favorite quotes. Everything suits me that suits your designs on my universe. Nothing is too early or too late for me that is in your own good time. All is fruit for me that your seasons bring, O nature. All proceeds from you. All subsists in you. And to you, all things return. Meditations 4.23. Marcus had that attitude of gratitude because he trusted that nothing happens that anyone is not fitted by nature to bear. Meditations 5.18.1. Epictetus also highlights that same attitude of gratitude toward what happens when he instructs us, quote, don't seek that all that comes about should come about as you wish, but wish that everything that comes about should come about just as it does, and then you'll have a calm and happy life. In Chiridion 8, I will address the concept of a cosmic viewpoint and an attitude of gratitude frequently in future episodes. They are an integral part of Stoic practice. In the meantime, I want to leave you with one powerful passage that I think you should remember. Put it to memory. Keep it close at hand. It comes from Discourses 1.1.17. What are we to do then to make the best of what lies within our power and deal with everything else as it comes? How does it come then? As God wills. End quote. Don't settle for bear and forbear. Stoicism promises so much more. Set your sights on the proper Stoic attitude that finds reasons to praise the providential cosmos for everything that happens. By doing so, you will set your Stoic practice on fire. Thank you for listening to the Stoicism on Fire podcast. If you're interested in this ancient practice of Stoicism, you will find plenty of resources at www.traditionalstoicism.com. If you're interested in a social media environment where this form of Stoicism is discussed, please join us on Facebook in the Traditional Stoicism group. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a positive review on the platform where you listen to this podcast. That tells others this podcast is worth listening to and thereby introduces more people to the ancient spiritual practices of the Stoics. If you have feedback or a great podcast idea for me, send me an email at chris, that's C-H-R-I-S, at traditionalstoicism.com. Until next time, I hope you will continue exploring traditional Stoicism, where the cosmos is alive with the meaning and purpose of the divine creative fire of the ancient Stoics. I wish you well and encourage you to keep your practice of Stoicism on fire.